All right, Habakkuk chapter number three. This is our sixth and final message in this series. Excited about it. Uh, Brother Mike will be preaching next week. Lord willing, we'll be in Africa as long as we uh, passed our test that we took yesterday. And then um, the week after that, I have a church planner that's going to be here to close out the month. And then Easter Sunday. It's hard to believe. Easter Sunday. We have some special things planned for that. Uh, we're trying to get our kids involved in that, especially since we couldn't do anything last year with COVID. Uh, so hopefully you have a packed house and ready to go. Um, we had so many problems with our internet last year and some of those situations. So uh, I, told, I told the guys jokingly, I, I should just re-preach everything that I did last year because half the people didn't even see it or hear it. So it'll be all good, right? Anyway, Habakkuk chapter number three. Stand if you could. We're just going to read the last three or four verses and then we close out this series. And then I'm not going to talk about everything in the morning message, but in EQ time, or as Ryan always says, Second Church, we're going to expound a little bit more upon these last couple of verses. So uh, Habakkuk chapter number three, starting in verse number 16, the Bible says, when I heard my belly tremble, has anybody ever had your belly, you know, rumble, tremble, probably right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. That's not, Andrew, was it you or Jordan? Oh, they're, I mean, they're pointing at each other. It was, that's all I caught out of the corner of my eye. It was just like one of those things. Like, okay, all right. I think all of us have had that. Now, this isn't that he's hungry, okay? He's, he's afraid. You ever, ever had like, you know, your, your stomach, your bowels, whatever, you know, tremble because you're afraid? No? Okay, three people. All right, very good. Uh, anyway, so when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with the troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord." I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. As we talked about last week, or a couple weeks ago, uh, chapter 3 is a prayer, but more importantly, it's a song. And Habakkuk's journey has been an amazing journey because he goes from really fear to faith. And that's really where many of us need to go in our lives, from fear to faith. It is very fearful living in this world, is it not? Uh, when you look around, and you know, we talked about it during the political season. I'm not a political pastor. Uh, some are. But a lot of people are very fearful of those things. But really, we have nothing to fear. And I was thinking about it in my office earlier. Uh, I talk a lot about the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. And, and it almost cracks me up the fact that when, when trouble comes into our life, that's when we really talk about, yeah, God's still on the throne, but he's always on the throne, people. Not just in tragedy, not just in difficult times. We have to understand that he is always sovereign. He is always in control. And that's where Habakkuk is finally getting to. And the, the thing that stands out to me, I'm trying not to, to, to preach it before I get there, but nothing has changed on the outside. Just think about that. Nothing has changed on the outside, meaning his circumstances of what is going to happen, Babylon is going to invade, it's still happening and taking place. Jerusalem is about to be destroyed, and, and Judah is going to, to be dismantled as they know it. His circumstances outwardly didn't change. What changed was on the inside. And really, that's what we need to get to in our lives. That even though everything around us is not changing or might not change, what needs to change is our perspective and our heart. 
And that's where we get from Habakkuk. Let's pray, and we'll dig into it this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day, for this message. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I close out this series. This series has been a great help to me in my life and a great reminder that, again, yet you are in control. And no matter what happens or no matter what is going to happen or uh, what will come in the future or what has happened in the past, you know what's going on. You are in control. You are sovereign. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to trust. Even the song that was sung just a few minutes ago, that, that the Lord is my salvation. And as I've referenced so many times with our church, even if there's nothing else to be thankful outside of our salvation, then that alone is enough. And Lord, I am thankful that you are the God of my salvation, that you sent your son to save me and to save all of those who have put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with me as I finish out this series. And I pray that this would be a great reminder, a challenge of hope and encouragement to not just those here today, but maybe those that are watching online. And really, as I've said many times, that we take the message and then give it to someone else. That's what we're here for. We're here to be equipped. We're here to, to receive the message from God's word and then go and live it out and then go and give it to others. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord. We love you so much in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You know, one of the greatest questions that anyone can ask is a one-word question, why? Or as some of you Texans say, why? Or however it is, right? Why? Is that, is that right, Ryan? Why? Why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not why, it's like W-H-A, why? Why? Anyway, uh, it's one of the greatest questions anyone can ask. Sometimes God seems so unbelievably silent. You know, that's what we started this series, and that's why the title is When God Doesn't. The very first couple messages, When God Doesn't Make Sense. That's happened many times in my life where I look around, God, what are you doing? My life is not making sense. The world around me is not making sense. I think the second message was when God doesn't meet our expectations. And there's a lot of times, again, in my life where I had expectations of God, of what he should do, what I think he should do, and he didn't fulfill those. And that's what Habakkuk is all about. It's a conversation between a man that is struggling to wrap his mind around these things and pouring out his heart to God. And the, the, the serious question that we're really trying to unfold is, what do you do when God doesn't? What do you do when God doesn't? You know, for, for many of us, we tend to lose sight of where God is during the storms of life, don't we? It's when we have the storms and are in the storms, we're, we're like the disciples in the New Testament. God, don't you even care about us? Don't you even uh, care that, that we're about to die? And he's in the boat with them, and he's like, I do care. But where is your faith? And that's where I think all of us are today. Where is your faith? You know, Jesus cuts right to the heart of the problem for his disciples and for us today. Did you forget about who I am? Did you forget who is with you? And I think we can identify with the disciples. And this is where we find ourselves in the story of Habakkuk. This final passage is really one of the, the greatest confessions of faith found anywhere in the scripture. Habakkuk has been frightened by the fact that his nation is spiraling out of control. They're in sin and he wants God to, to judge them, but God tells Habakkuk that he's going to judge them through the merciless, wicked nation of Babylon. And again, that doesn't make sense. As we've referenced many times, it would be like a, 
extreme terroristic nation or organization coming into America or even coming into the church and judging the church. In our mind, that doesn't make sense. And again, this has been an amazing study, at least for me, of a journey from fear to faith. You know, back in the the verses we talked about last week, verse 13 through 15, when you study them deeper in their original language, the verbiage that Habakkuk is referencing as he's referencing God, as he's finally, the light bulb is finally coming on in his life and his mind, he's basically saying, God, you came out, you crushed, you stripped, you pierced, you trampled. Again, to me, that sounds like he's referencing someone that is victorious. And the God that we serve is victorious, is he not? He is. God is victorious, and if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you can be victorious as well because you are on his side, no matter what happens in the world around you. And it's as if, as Habakkuk closes, it's as if he's finally saying, Lord, I get it. My circumstances haven't changed, but I get it. I'm trusting in you of who you are, of what you've done in the past, and of what you're going to do in the future. I get it, Lord. And Habakkuk is teaching us a very important lesson today. And really, I have a title in there for your notes, but really as we close this out, it's, you know, what do you do when God doesn't as we close out this series? First of all, verse number 16, we must wait patiently even when you're afraid. Anyone ever been afraid? Yes, all of us. We've all been afraid for one reason or another. And Habakkuk is teaching us and telling us that even when you're afraid, you must wait patiently on who? Sorry. Is that better? Try not to. Get out of here. I was just doing what Noah said. I came to kick you all in the face. Anyway, wait patiently even when you're afraid. Look at verse number 16. Again, when I heard my, my belly, all the things that he is referencing from the previous verses, and we don't have time to go back to the whole series, but when I heard everything and all that you had talked about, God, my belly trembled, my, my lips quivered, I was, I was afraid, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Habakkuk is basically saying, God, I am going to, to wait on you. I am going to rest in you. Why? Because as we've already referenced, God is worth the wait. And this phrase, wait patiently, comes from the Hebrew word, which means to rest, to settle down, to remain. It's the same word we find in the Ten Commandments where God tells us to rest on the Sabbath day. It's the same word we find in the narratives about the promised land where God told the Israelites to rest from their enemies in the land. And that's what Habakkuk is teaching us, to rest in times of troubles and to rest in God. I think a few weeks ago in this series, we we talked about finding our shalom or finding our peace. The only way you find true shalom is when you rest in God, when you wait patiently on him. How can you be okay with your distresses, with your confusion, with the perplexity of life, with what God is doing? How can you be okay with everything that is going on in America, everything that is going on in the world? How can you be okay? You can't, but you can when you rest in God. When you rest and wait patiently on God and realize that God has a plan, he is going to work it all out in his timing. And really, one of the marks of faith is a willingness to wait patiently for the Lord to work. One of the marks of faith is a willingness to wait patiently 
for the Lord to work. So verse 16, we see Habakkuk is teaching us to wait patiently, even when you're afraid. The second thing, verse number 17, although the fig tree shall not blossom. Now we're going to reference this more specifically in EQ. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls yet. It's almost like a sila. He's almost pausing. Yet, no matter what happens, no matter what has happened in the past, what's happening in the present, what's going to happen in the future, even though things seem bleak, here's what I'm going to choose to do. Look what this verse says. We just sang about it. Yet, I will what? What's the next word? Rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Let's just say this verse together. Ready? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I mean, this is a verse you should circle, underline, highlight. You should come back to many times in your life. No matter what is going on in your life, we have to choose, as Habakkuk is choosing, to choose to rejoice. Rejoicing doesn't come naturally. When I'm going through a troubled situation, when I'm going through a difficult time, I don't just immediately think, man, I'm going to rejoice. Because everything around me is crashing. Everything around me is failing. I'm going to rejoice. No, I have to choose to rejoice. And that's where it came to Habakkuk. Habakkuk discovered that God is his strength. That God is his salvation. I think I said this last week. Again, this this chapter is a prayer, but it's a song. It's a song to sing when you don't feel like singing. And really, sometimes when we feel the least like singing, that's when we need to sing the most, right? And this so, to me, this is so reminiscent of Paul and Silas when they sang in the jail. You see, God will give you a song in the night when you rejoice in him, when you rejoice in his goodness. Now listen to this. By the time Babylon would be through with the land of Judah, there wouldn't be much to value. Buildings would be destroyed. Treasures would be plundered. Farms, orchards would be devastated. The economy would fall apart. There would be little to sing about. So imagine, let's even reference Job. You know, Job lost most everything in his life. If you were to lose everything, if you were to go home and everything is wiped out, your home is gone, like, Pastor, don't say that, (laughs) but your home is gone, the cars are gone, I mean, you lose your family, how many would be like, I'm just going to start singing and praise God? Now, I think we'd like to say that, right? But most of us probably wouldn't. But this is what he's saying, that, you know what? I know that things are about to get worse. Things are bad right now. They're about to get worse. But I am choosing to to sing of God's goodness. I am choosing to sing of God's praise, of his mercy, of his compassion, of his strength. So even though all of these bad things were happening and were about to happen, listen, Habakkuk could not rejoice in his circumstances, could he? Because his circumstances were bleak. But he could rejoice in his God. And that's where we are today. That's where we need to be. You can't rejoice in your circumstances because circumstances can be downright horrible. I mean, there's other words we can use, but they can be downright awful, right? But you can rejoice in God, right? Even amidst of COVID or whatever the new pandemic is going to be next year, you can rejoice in the fact that God is God. That the same God that, that, that sent Moses through the wilderness and 
and, and helped Abraham and Joseph and David and so many others in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The same God that helped them, the same God can help us no matter what we go through. So we have to have that, that song in the night. Look, God is still on the throne. He is still working his divine pur- purposes for his people. I mean, Romans eight twenty eight teaches us that, right? And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purposes. But let me ask you a question. I want to read a, a story here in just a second. What do you do when everything you love is taken? What if all that you put your life into has been wiped out? What if you lost your job? What if America fails? And some of you are like, it's probably about to happen, right? What if America fails? What if you end up in jail for your faith? There's a story of a pastor's wife, Kay Warren. She's the wife of Rick Warren, his pastor of Saddleback Church in California. Several years ago, they lost their 27-year-old son, Matthew, to suicide. I think I'm ringing just a little bit. They lost their 27-year-old son, Matthew, to suicide because he had been struggling for years with a mental illness. A few years later, she wrote this, and I want you to listen to this. She said, On July 18, 1985, I gave birth to our beloved gift of God, Matthew David Warren. Holding him in my arms that morning, I had no idea how dark the journey would get for him and for those who love him. And I knew that bright morning was... You know, the, the one that I, I was madly in love with my little boy, and I could see nothing ahead but a mother's dreams of good life for her son. I remember Easter that year of 1985. I was sick in bed, unable to go to church. Rick took the kids to church, and I stayed home by myself for a few hours. The TV remote by my side, and as my only companion, somehow I dropped the remote, and I couldn't even retrieve it. So there I was, alone on one of the most joyful holidays, with not even a TV preacher to keep me company, full of anxiety and fear for myself and my unborn child, I painfully reached for my Bible and it fell open to Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. She says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread on my high places, the choir master with stringed instruments. She says, this was a word from the Lord to me. And I determined that even if my worst nightmares came true, if my baby died or never walked again, that I would trust in God, my Savior. I would rejoice in the sovereign Lord. Matthew David Warren was born and everything seemed fine. But by his first birthday, we began to wonder. By his second and third birthdays, we knew he wasn't like his older sister and brother. When he took his life that year, after battling and fighting so hard for decades, a friend sent me Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 in a sympathy card. She had no idea that this passage was incredibly significant to me. She said, but it was a fitting bookend to his life. Because I had feared for years that he might take his life, It became his greatest pursuit and even my greatest anguish. I had come to the point in which I had said, as I had said 27 years before, even if my worst nightmare comes true, even if he takes his life, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So today, 
his 29th birthday several years ago when she wrote this. Through weeping, I shouted to the watching universe, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. My heart remains wounded and battered, but my faith is steady. There is and always will be, as Stephen Curtis Chapman says, a glorious unfolding of all that God has in store for me and for my family. God is faithful to his promises of rebuilding and restoring the ruins. And I am confident that I will yet be a witness to many, many, many lives healed and hope restored, all because of my beloved gift of God, Matthew David Warren. I miss you, darling boy, but it will be just for a little while. You know, what a, what a testimony. You know, too many Christians... I've said this before, we have a God of the good times only. The God we serve is only when everything is going well. But when things go bad, when things seem bleak, whether it's COVID or whether it's death or tragedy, that's when so many people give up on God. That's when their faith falters. But that's when our faith should remain the strongest. You know, the God you put your faith in Oftentimes, for many of us, because our faith is weak, we, we, the point I made is that basically we don't serve a big enough God. But the point is, God is big enough. He is more than big enough to meet our needs, to care for us. But the God that we serve so often isn't big enough because we don't trust him enough. And look, I've been guilty of that. You've been guilty of that. But the God that is of the Bible, the God of, of, of Joseph and Abraham and Moses and Habakkuk and the Jews, the God of Israel, the God of today is big enough to meet all of our needs. And look, it is easy to glorify God when everything is going well, right? But our testimony is in the testing. And I've seen that in my own life, and I've referenced my story, and that's not what it's about today. But our testimony is in the testing. You know, I hope and pray that most people would never have to go through something that, that the Warrens went through. But the reality is many of us go through something similar and maybe a different circumstance. And our faith is tested. Our faith is tried. So what do you do? You know, for Habakkuk, his faith is being expressed in these verses. And what I love is this. Habakkuk is willingly, it's not forcefully, you know, I could force everyone to, to serve God, but that's not going to do anything, right? What I want as a pastor and as a preacher, I want you to willingly, submissively, submit to God, your creator, the sovereign Lord. And that's what Habakkuk is doing. He is willingly and joyfully submitting to God's sovereignty. O. Palmer Robertson, he calls these last verses, and I, I'd probably agree with them. He calls these last three verses the most beautiful spirit of submission found anywhere in Scripture. And I think outside of Jesus submitting to his Father, I think you could say this to be true. Because Habakkuk, he's understanding that nothing has changed around me. Nothing at all. Things are still bleak. Things are still seemingly hopeless. Yet he willingly submits to God. God, you're my salvation. God, you're my joy. God, you're my strength. 
You know, back in verse number two of chapter three, he had asked God to revive his work. But the reality is that God started the reviving within Habakkuk. And this is where it needs to be, church. You know, many times we pray for revival. We pray that God would revive the hearts of other people. But what we need to do is pray that God would revive our hearts. That God would start the work in us. It's not about everyone else. It's about us because if we'd actually look introspectively, if we'd actually look within, we'd realize that there are things in our life that need to be straightened out, that need to be fixed. And maybe God's not trying to get other people's attention. Maybe he's trying to get your attention, but you're too prideful and stubborn to hear from God. Because all you see is everyone else and all their problems and all their difficulties and everything about that. Again, we talked about this in EQ last week. It's easy to complain. It's easy to be negative, right? It's easy to be critical about all the things you don't like. And we have all kinds of people in here that are very critical. And I said, you know, even last week, there's probably at least 15, if not more, that can be critical at times. And really, probably most of us can be critical. But again, what, what Habakkuk was saying back in verse number two, revive thy work, really, it has to start within him. And it did. It started with him. And because of that, it did trickle into the nation. And again, though the fig tree won't blossom, though fruit won't be on the vines, even though the olive shall fail, the fields won't yield any food. Even when the flock is cut off, no herds are in the stalls. Yet I'm going to rejoice because God is my strength. God is my salvation. There's no visible hope for the future. The present has seemingly let him down. The reserve from the past wasn't strong enough to carry him, but God was. And we see that, again, verse number 16, we must wait patiently even when you're afraid. We must rejoice because God is our salvation. And third thing, verse number 19, we must choose to rely on the Lord's strength. The Bible says the Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. G. Campbell Morgan once said, our joy is in proportion to our trust. Our trust is in proportion to our knowledge of God. You see, Habakkuk teaches us to face our doubts and questions honestly, to take them humbly to the Lord and to wait for his reply. There's nothing wrong with questioning God. There's nothing wrong with challenging God. But it, there comes a point where we have to wait for God to answer us and then be okay when he does answer. But many of us, and I say this for myself because I've been there, we challenge God, we question God, and he's big enough, he can handle it. But then God gives us an answer we don't like, and we can continue to challenge God. Instead of saying, you know what, God? All right, doesn't make sense, but I trust you. I'm submitting to you. You know, God doesn't always change our circumstances. But he can change us to meet the circumstances. That's what it means to live in faith. And as we close out this study, this series, at the bookend, at the very end of this book, nothing has changed on the outside. The people of Judah have still forgotten God. Violence still reigns. The wicked are still oppressing the righteous. Babylonians are still God's appointed instrument for judgment. Hard times are coming. There's nothing anyone can do about it. Nothing has changed. And this is where we get it wrong. Listen. God, hey, I poured out my heart to you, Lord. I mean, I sang, you know, with the group today, I sang, God, you're my salvation. Why isn't my situation any better? <laughs> it's not how it works. 
Look, reading, reading a book like this is not about changing our circumstances. It's about changing. It's not about changing what's going on around us. It's about changing how we feel on the inside. Habakkuk's circumstances didn't change, but his perspective did. And listen, the things that I struggle with the most have more to do with my internal struggles than they do with my external struggles. And I'm sure if many of you were honest, you'd say the same thing. Your biggest struggle is not what's going on around you, but what's going on within you. Because you don't like that you can't control it. <laughs> That's why we have to give it to God. Look, maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't really need this series right now. Well, that's fine, but you will. Because we're all in three stages. I have it in your notes. You're either coming out of a difficulty, you're in the middle of a difficulty, you're about to go through a difficulty. I mean, that's it. That's three stages of life. You're coming out of a difficulty, you're in the middle of a difficulty, you're about to go through a difficulty. So if you don't need this today, put it in your back pocket because you will need it. And if you're here today and you're like, I need this, then, then use it. Utilize these tools that God has given us from his word. Look, the word rejoice, as we have talked about today, it literally means to, to jump for joy. We might even say it means to, to dance for joy. And again, that goes completely against some of our Baptist beliefs, right? Dancing for joy. And I don't even know how to dance, but anyway. Um, that's my dance. That's my uh, Habakkuk dance. Yeah. What? It's my Baptist preacher day. Next clip. All right. Awesome. I just wanted to get beyond the, I'm trying to be that viral pastor, you know. I want to get beyond the, the great whore comment. Revelation 17, people. Seriously. But again, that literally means to jump for joy. You think about that. Rejoice. I'm going to rejoice that God is my strength. Oh, my knees. That he is my salvation. That I can trust in him. How do you trust? How do you rejoice when everything is wrong? How do you rejoice when your circumstances are not changing? Write this down. You rejoice because you have the Lord. You rejoice because God is your salvation. You rejoice because God is your strength in difficult times. That's how you rejoice. That's it. How do I rejoice when nothing is going right? You have the Lord. If you're not saved, you don't. Therefore, if you're not saved, it's time to trust in God that he will be the God of your salvation. To say, God, I need you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Save me of my wretchedness, of my wickedness. Come into my heart and be my savior. But if you are, put that back up there, guys. But if you are saved, this is for you. You rejoice because you have the Lord. Because God is your salvation and God is your strength in difficult times. Listen, hardship is not the end. Again, this chapter is a prayer, but more importantly, it's a song. As, as we said, verse number one, you know, Habakkuk is praying a prayer, but it's the, the, upon Shigenoth, really, it's about, about the song. And really, the, verse 19 closes to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Listen, joy leads to singing. And this song of Habakkuk was meant to guide them to worship. Just when worship couldn't get any harder. If you're a child of God, your story doesn't end in brokenness. It doesn't end in darkness. Pain doesn't have to have the last word. Our story doesn't end with Good Friday, does it? 
our story really begins at the resurrection of Jesus. And 600 years before Christ, when Habakkuk was written, God gave Habakkuk a glimpse into the truth that he would make plain on a bloody cross and with an empty tomb that when times are darkest, God is ready to shine the brightest. So in the most trying times, we must trust our sovereign God that he is enable, or He is able to enable us to live with patience and joy. And joy leads to a song. Habakkuk learns, just like Job, no matter how difficult conditions might become, he must continue to believe, continue to trust the promises of God, and have confidence that the Lord of all the earth will do the right thing. He learns to sing. He learns to sing praise, not just in the good times, but in the bad times. I think um, in our EQ, Daniel referenced the point that worship is warfare, and it is. That's a great point. It's a struggle. You don't just worship when everything is good around you in your life. You worship in the tragedy. You worship in the, in the, in the tough times. You learn to sing a song, and you know, you can, whatever, whatever, you can choose any kind of song, that's fine, but really, that's why it's important to go back to the scripture and allow the scripture to be your song. And that's why the songs that we choose are really, they're, they're centered in the scripture. They're deep theological truths that we're trying to help people understand. And the prophet writes this song for all of those in Judah to, to listen, to understand, to sing. And 2,600 years later, we still have it. In verse 18, here's basically what he's telling us. You know, yet, despite all that's happening, I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will shout in glorious exultation that God is my salvation. So as I close, even if God doesn't, choose to rejoice. Even if God doesn't change your circumstances, even if God doesn't meet your expectations, even if God doesn't do what you think he should do, you still should choose to rejoice. Choosing is means it's up to you. It's a choice. It's not forced. But Habakkuk has learned it. And what an amazing journey that we've been on for the past six weeks, right? From fear to faith, from perplexity to praise. That's what this journey has been. And I, again, I, I haven't really heard many messages in Habakkuk, but it's been it's been overwhelming for me that God has, has helped me. Things that I, I had gone through in the past and things that I've gone through even right now in the present and I know things that I'm going to go through in the future to, to choose to rejoice. That everything around me, verse 17, nothing is going right. All these things are wrong. It's not getting any better. It's still bleak, but I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to rejoice that God is my Lord, that he is... My, my salvation, that he is my strength. Even if God doesn't, you choose to rejoice. Let's pray.